Hey, you're listening to Orla's Happy Hormones podcast, talking all things female health and wellness. I'm Orla O'Flaherty, a certified naturopath and herbalist, and I'm here to talk about everything from periods, PCOS, endometriosis, health, sex, wellness, and life in general. Here's to happy hormones and a happy you. Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of Orla's Happy Hormones podcast. And this week we're up to episode 28. So I'm doing a Q&A style episode this week. And really it's because I love doing them. I love getting the questions in from you and being able to give my feedback, give you the information I have. And a lot of the time give my own personal experiences. Now for this week's one, it's I'm not really going into the personal aspect, which I know it's not like me. I do like to wear my heart in my sleeve. But there is so much information that I want to give that I'm trying to condense it down as much as I possibly can. And But yeah, like I said, I love doing these episodes because it, it's given me direct feedback of what it is you want, the listeners, the followers, be it through Instagram, Facebook, the podcast. And that's why I'm doing Orla's Happy Hormones is because I want to give women the information that they're looking for. So that is why I love doing these Q&A style ones. So I do hope I help with the answers. And I'm only doing three questions because, like I said, I do try to go a bit in-depth. And if I was to answer all of them, we'd be here for hours. So pick three questions randomly. And if I haven't answered your question, feel free to send it in again. And I'll do it for the next Q&A one. So for the first question... It is, my PMT seems to be worse after the insertion of the marina coil. Help. Well, to start off, for anyone out there who doesn't know anything about the marina coil or for any of the questions who don't know anything about things, I'm going to go into a bit of a information word vomit let's say, just so everybody has the information. So the marina coil, it's an IUD and it contains a synthetic form of progesterone and it's called, now I may not get this right, but it's called levonorgestrel. It's a hard one to pronounce, so I do apologise. But using a progesterone-only contraception can interfere with the natural production of oestrogen, which then has a knock-on effect on your mood and PMT symptoms. Now... This person hasn't specified the nature of the PMT problems. I'm presuming it's got a lot to do with mood. Um, it, it could be physical, but it is all connected. But the most common side effects of using the likes of the marina coil or other progesterone-only contraceptions are dizziness, headaches, abdominal bloating, vaginal discharge, spotting or irregular periods, loss of periods loss of libido, changes in skin, so the likes of rashes, acne, dark spots, then anxiety and nervousness, then bone density loss, changes in facial or body hair, breast tenderness, and again, your regular PMT symptoms. Now, when it comes to estrogen, estrogen has a bad rep. And that's because most women, no, not most, but it would be more... Estrogen dominant problems out there. 
But estrogen is also the hormone responsible for increasing serotonin in the brain. Now, your serotonin is our happy hormone. And then progesterone, however, can have a depressing effect. Now, progesterone affects the amygdala. It's a small set of neurons located deep in the medial temporal lobe of the brain. Now, these neurons have been shown to play a huge role in processing emotions. Recent research is showing that progesterone's enhancing effect on the amygdala could explain the feelings of stress or mood changes for small reasons. So those irrational, irrational reactions to something small is because the progesterone is enhancing the effect of those neurons in the brain. So you're, you're kind of firing at all from all angles. And then according to further research done in Sweden, progesterone seems to actually have the same effect on the brain as depressive drugs, so the likes of alcohol and sleeping pills. Because there are higher than normal levels of progesterone circulating in the bloodstream and not enough estrogen to counterbalance the effects, PMS symptoms and low mood are going to be more prominent when you are on a progesterone-only contraception. Now, I'm not saying to go out and start increasing your estrogen levels here, because as we all know, messing with hormone balance has its negative effects. But what you can do is give your body the optimum conditions to be able to support hormonal imbalances and also increase detoxification of excess hormones. So what I'll say to you is, Ask yourself, what is your sleep like? What's your diet like? What's your work-life balance like? Sleep quality, nutrition, and stress in life play a huge role on how our bodies function on a basic level. I've said it before, and I'll say it a thousand times. We need to fuel our bodies with a healthy, balanced diet. We need whole, nutrient-dense foods. Nutrition is, first and foremost when it comes to all areas of health but especially for women for our hormone health being put on contraception or contraceptive pills or coils or whatever it is have become so normal and the side effects of these contraceptions have become so normal that we don't question why we're having these side effects the likes of the PMT the likes of the bloating, the moodiness, the irrational thoughts, all of that. And then we're not looking at basic nutrition to counterbalance certain things, like the effects of hormone imbalance. Like certain vitamins and minerals are automatically deficient in women who are on hormonal contraceptives. So the likes of your B vitamins and your magnesium and your zinc, they are stripped right out of the body, simply from the synthetic hormones that are then going through our blood system. So what I do recommend for women is getting a whole food diet, like I said, nutrient-dense foods, and looking at your gut health as well. Your gut microbiome linked with your hormone health is huge. People don't realize how important your gut health is for hormone health. We see so many studies out there now on gut health for brain fu function, gut health for mood, mental disorders. 
gut health for overall wellness but what we're not seeing is gut health for proper hormone production and this is a huge area that I've been researching in lately I'm not going to get into it now I will be doing a, a full episode on this but it's quite complex but gut health is so important for proper hormone function and gut health starts with what we're putting into our bodies so the likes of your fresh fruit and veggies like realistically we need seven portions of veg a day when we say fruit and veg a lot of people tend to go for the fruit more so than the veg whereas veg has a lot more nutrients which will improve gut health immunity lessen fatigue the works so looking at what is your diet like are you having minimum five portions of fruit and veg a day are you having processed meats processed foods microwavable dinners pre pre-med dinners are you having a breakfast in the morning it all these things they all add up so like i said it all first things first is food nutrition making sure you have a well-balanced diet lots of fresh fruit and vegetables good quality protein healthy fats and complex carbs for fiber and like i said because of certain hormonal contraceptions vitamins and minerals are stripped from the body so yes i always say get your vitamins and minerals from your food first but for women who are on any if you're on the pill the coil the chip anything like that you do need to be looking at supplementing back in certain vitamin vitamins and minerals so my i have my top five supplements and herbal supports for women who are on the pill injection coil etc so number one a good probiotic I always recommend the Udo's Choice Super 8s. Good gut bacteria. We need good gut bacteria for the absorption of vitamins and minerals into our bodies and also to help heal the lining of the gut wall. The gut wall, so think of your intestines and the lining of those intestines. We can get little pockets It's known as leaky gut syndrome, where vitamins and minerals are leached out and toxins are leached out into the bloodstream. This is due to poor diet, stress. Stress is actually one of the number one causing factors for it. But the Western world's diet is pretty poor. So we're not getting vitamins and minerals and the lining of the gut is already questionable, should we say. So getting a good probiotic, heal the gut, good gut bacteria, and then going from there. Now there are other things that are involved with healing the gut, but like I said, I won't get into that now. That will be for another episode. Next supplement, a B-complex especially vitamin B6, like I said, or B vitamins are stripped away with hormonal contraceptions. 
but B6 is involved in the production of neurotransmitters, which play a huge role in your mood. Many studies show that supplementing with B6 can improve psychological symptoms of PMS, including your moodiness, irritability, and anxiety. Then magnesium. Research also shows that women with PMT and women on hormonal contraceptions have deficient levels of magnesium. A study done in 2010 found women who supplemented with magnesium and B6 massively eased symptoms of PMS, including depression, anxiety, insomnia, water retention, and breast tenderness. Then number four, essential fatty acids. Gamma-linolic acid and alpha-linolic acid have anti-inflammatory effects that can help with PMS. Studies show that taking two grams of essential fatty acids can help prevent PMS symptoms. Also, when you look at the brain, the brain is the fattiest tissue in the body and it thrives on fat. And they're known as essential fatty acids for a reason. The body needs them, the brain needs them. It's within the brain where hormones are produced. So getting a good essential fatty acid. Then number five, dandelion root. Dandelion root is a liver support herb. When the liver is congested, the body finds it really difficult to excrete excess hormones, causing a buildup in the bloodstream, having your negative effects like your PMS and things like that. So supporting natural detoxification pathways may help to reduce your PMS symptoms. Taking five mils twice a day for a month, you will see a difference in PMS irritability and anxiety. Now I'm going to throw in a sixth one. Um, ladies mantle. Now usually I would recommend Vitex Agnes Castus for balancing hormones but when you're using hormonal contraceptions it's best to avoid it due to possible interactions. So ladies mantle is another hormone balancing herb and it's it really is a gentle female support for the likes of heavy, peri heavy periods, PMS, and even menopause as well. Just be mindful to take it with food, and if you're on the pill, to take it away from the time that you take the pill. When you're on the likes of the marina coil or the chip, you have a slow, steady secretion of that progesterone all throughout the day. So that's question one. I hope I've helped. If you have any further questions, feel free to get back in touch with me. So on to question two. I have large fibroids. Any advice for dealing with these? Now, so just as an overview for anyone who doesn't know what fibroids are, fibroids are abnormal growths that grow in or on the uterus. They're typically benign and in Western medicine, the cause is actually unknown for them right now. Now, these growths can become quite large for some women and cause a severe amount of pain and heavy periods. There's a there's a woman on Instagram called Maeve Madden. She's an Instagram fitness instructor, fitness coach, women's wellness. She's really interesting and she suffers from fibroids and she actually just had one removed surgically. So for people out there suffering with fibroids, I would highly recommend that you actually go follow her on Instagram. So her name is Maeve Madden. 
But like I said, the cause of fibroids is still unknown, but there may be several causative factors for them. So the likes of hormone levels. Estrogen and progesterone cause the uterine lining to regenerate during each cycle. Meaning that an imbalance in these may stimulate the growth of fibroids. Then there's genetics. More and more research is coming out to show there may be a direct link in the maternal line of the family when it comes to gynecological problems. Like knowing your family history from periods to menopause, it's it's really advised, to be honest. I know for my gynecological problems, I look at the women in my family and there are certain issues with certain women and it, it's all linked and it's mainly on the maternal side. So I would go to your mother or your sisters or your aunt's grandmother and ask, did anybody have problems with their periods? Now I know what mothers and grandmothers depending on your age I actually don't know your age but the older generation women they don't they don't keep track of those things and because back then it was just normal for them but I would still go and ask did anybody have any problems with pain periods heavy periods clotting urinary problems bowel problems things like that because they are all linked with fibroids as you well know yourself especially if you have large fibroids but checking out the the family history on your maternal side is really important then another area pregnancy again and it's back to the estrogen and progesterone levels these two hormones increase during pregnancy so fibroids may actually develop and grow rapidly while you're pregnant i'm not sure if you've had kids or not if you have it that may have been a factor involved with the fibroids then in tcm a tradi- traditional chinese medicine terms fibroids can be caused from what's known as an internal damp environment alongside stagnation so in tcm dampness is considered to be one of the six pernicious influences that cause disease So the other five are heat, cold, wind, dryness, and summer heat. Now, stagnation is then the lack of movement of either chi or blood throughout the body. But with dampness, dampness causes a buildup of phlegm and mucus throughout the body. And paired with stagnation, it creates a buildup of this phlegm, causing the likes of cysts and growths. Now, when it comes to TCM, it is quite specific to each person and everybody has their own constitution and their own predisposition to certain illnesses. So it is very person-specific. But to be honest, in life, everything is very person-specific. Like, I can give advice for your broad spectrum, PMS, heavy periods, things like that. But when it comes to actual conditions like the likes of fibroids, it is very specific to the person. Now, for symptoms of fibroids, now I know the person who sent in this message will know these, it's just for everybody else. But symptoms, your regular symptoms include the likes of heavy painful periods, 
periods lasting longer than a week, pelvic pressure and pain, and then frequent urination and difficult urination and constipation as well. And that's because of the pressure of the fibroid sitting in the womb, but putting pressure on the likes of your kidneys, your bowel, different organs. So if anyone else out there is experiencing these symptoms, I would highly recommend that you go to your doctor and just get things checked out. Your doctor will actually be able to feel for fibroids. You can feel the fibroids through the lower abdomen and they will also be able to tell you roughly the size. And when it comes to treatment for fibroids, like conventional treatment for them, they're, it's typically medications to shrink the fibroids and if that's un- unsuccessful, then you're looking at surgery. So keyhole surgery. But then there are natural supports as well. And you're really looking at the balance of hormones. That's the root cause is hormones. It is the balance of estrogen and progesterone and there are levels that are shown to increase the growth rate. So, and particularly estrogen really levels that are going to grow them quicker. So looking at balancing hormones out and how do you do that? Again, through diet different supplements and different herbs this is the natural route so diet like according to clinical studies eating too much red meat increases risks of fibroids and this is due to the levels of omega-9 which is inflammatory causing and as well other factors the likes of alcohol like how much alcohol do you drink especially red wine because red wine increases the likes of prostaglandins and which is an inflammatory causing pain receptor. So looking at reducing out alcohol and reducing out red meat, but then increasing your wild oily fish because they're high in omega-3 and 6. Then also eating excess refined carbs and sugary foods can have a, a huge negative effect. And that's due to its insulin rise in nature. And insulin, again, can have an impact on estrogen levels. So that's something you really need to be mindful of. Like avoiding the likes of white bread, rice, flours, fizzy drinks, crisps, sweets, etc. It is really important. Now, I'm not saying to cut out carbs altogether because that's actually really damaging for hormones as well. But what I am saying is to swap them out for a healthier option. So the likes of sweet potato, parsnips, carrots, leafy greens. Like you need a lot of fiber for the elimination of excess hormones and also for balancing hormones. Then your vegetables, especially your leafy greens, they're anti-inflammatory nature it's huge it's so beneficial you really need to be looking at increasing your veg consumption so like i said earlier minimum five to seven portions of fruit and veg a day but mainly vegetables then in tcm as well certain foods are are damp forming remember how i spoke about internal dampness earlier well dairy is one of them and it's actually the main culprit and I know this may, it, it'll be a bit controversial and that's okay because the, the argument on dairy is, um, it's a fun one and it, it's always going to be there and, and that's okay. 
But looking at it from a TCM aspect, dairy is one of the main dam forming foods. So looking at reducing dairy and swapping it for the likes of nut or other plant-based options. And if you're worried about the lack of calcium, don't be. You'll get more calcium from your leafy greens than you ever will from milk. But do consider reducing the dairy down as much as you can. Then supplements that are beneficial. So research shows that low vitamin D and vitamin A levels can actually increase the risk of fibroids and the growth of fibroids. So fibroids also increase PMS symptoms. So it's all a knock-on effect. So then the likes of your B-complex is really important. Again, I spoke about it earlier on in the podcast or in this episode, how your B vitamins are stripped when you're on hormonal contraceptions and their role for neurotransmitters. So a B-complex is really important and then the likes of your essential fatty acids as well for proper hormone production and hormone function. They'd be my main supplements that I I would advise for you to take. And then herbal medicine, like there, there are loads of herbal supports out there. And it's like really it's traditionally in Chinese medicine to slow down the growth of fibroids and help reduce the size. Like when it comes to fibroids, it's very specific to each person. Like I said earlier, really with any condition, everything is very specific to the person. But Chinese studies using herbs are showing benefits. So the likes of using peony, cinnamon, pariah and schizandra have have been shown to have massive beneficial worth. So it is it would be something I would suggest if you don't want to go down the surgery route of looking into herbal medicine or acupuncture TCM traditional Chinese medicine is there's so much worth in it when it comes to gynecological problems so getting on to the likes of the IRH the Irish Register of Herbalists or getting on to the acupuncture website or the acupuncture society finding someone in your area who is proficient with these tools who can help it is something I would highly recommend like I said I can't give you a list of herbs here because it's very specific to the person but looking at the likes of your diet first and then the supplements that you can get and doing what you can yourself and then looking at going down the route of herbal medicine or acupuncture if it is the route that you want to go down. But then there is one thing that you can do yourself as well at home is the likes of castor oil packs. Now castor oil packs have been shown to help shrink the size of fibroids and also ovarian cysts. How you do a castor oil pack, now you'll get castor oil anywhere in any in any chemist or pharmacy. The one I would recommend would be the Pukka or organic brand. You'll get that in any health food store. So what you do is you coat a cloth in warm castor oil, so just get a face cloth, and placing it over your lower abdomen. Wrap a towel around yourself then just to keep it in place, and then a hot water bottle on top of it, and keep it on overnight. What's recommended with this is doing it for 
three nights on and three nights off for three weeks. Do that every couple of months and you may see improvements with shrinking the fibroids and also removing excess toxins from the body because it's a, it's quite a moving oil and quite a detoxifying oil. So what I will say is you may see an increase in bowel motions as well. So just be mindful of that. It sounds like a lot of work. It's actually not. And to be honest, it, it I find them quite soothing at times. It's it's a self-care practice that I would use myself. But the benefits of them are, they are there. So I would recommend that. So that's the second question. And I hope I have given you some insight there. And like I said, do go and follow Maeve Madden on Instagram. She really knows her stuff. And she has personal experience with it all. I always say to people to get advice from people who have personal experience with certain things. I myself don't have any experience with fibroids. I do have my own gynecological issues that I've spoken about before. But yeah, do go follow her. So now I'm on to my third and final question, which is Orla you always talk about open communication in relationships. I don't know how to openly talk to my boyfriend about our sex life. Any advice on how to get started? So yes, I do always talk about open communication in relationships. And what I will say before I get started is I am not a relationship expert. I am far from it. And I'm also not a sex expert. Sex expert. <laughs> far from it. But I am a human being and I've had my own experiences in life, like all of us have. But when it comes to communication in relationships, it's so important. And this is because us as humans have a massive flaw of miscommunication and assumption making. And when you assume something, you make an ass out of you and me. Always remember that. But we make assumptions because we're afraid to show what's really going on inside for us. We're afraid to show our emotions. We're afraid to show our feelings. We're afraid to be vulnerable. And that's out of fear of rejection. And then that leads to miscommunication. And miscommunication is the number one cause of relationship breakdown. We are terrified we'll be rejected for what we want. Or we're terrified of being made a fool out of. We're, we don't want to be embarrassed. And especially so when it comes to talking about sex. The one thing I always say is, if you're old enough to have sex, you're old enough to talk about sex. Like when you actually think about it, you're letting someone else physically inside of you. There's nothing more sacred than that. So why are you afraid to talk openly about it? Is it embarrassment? Is it fear he won't talk about it? Is it fear that your wants and needs won't be met? What is it that you're actually looking for from him? 
Is it a deeper connection? Is it trying new positions? Is it wanting more sex? Is it wanting less sex? The answer to all of these, though, they lie within you. So what I will say to you is, before you actually broach the subject with him, I would suggest sitting down and writing out a list of things that you want. And why is it that you want them? Like, is it a fantasy that you want fulfilled or played out? Or is it just to be more open with each other? Like, when you've figured that part out, when you figure out the what's and the why's, then you can go and talk to him. But the one thing I will say to you, though, is when speaking about what you want in the bedroom, don't do it in the bedroom. Do it on the couch. Not the sex, the talking. When you're in bed together, like, communication just completely gets blurred, and that's through lust and wanting and being in the moment and getting caught up and like that's great in the moment to have that lustful feeling and the wanting and everything but when you're actually wanting to talk about it don't do it in the bedroom do it on the couch so what I'd suggest is maybe make a dinner or else get a takeaway or do your own thing the things that you do together as couples as a couple so like open a bottle of wine or like whatever your drink of choice is the whole dutch courage thing it it does help every now and then but then start the conversation but be gentle with it and i know you're going to be fearful so you're not going to feel very happy or you're going to be nervous and that's okay to be nervous but do try and keep things quite lighthearted so like start the conversation with something like Look, I want to talk to you about our sex life while you're sipping on a glass of wine, holding his hand, stroking his head, whatever. I should have said face there. You know what I mean. Um, if it's something that you haven't spoken about before, though, he may get a little bit shocked. But like I said, just be playful and be touchy-feely and, and do keep it lighthearted to make him feel relaxed because you're the one that's coming to the table with this conversation that you haven't had before. So it's going to be a bit disarming for him. And that's okay too. What I will say is that your feelings are validated and his feelings are validated. So if you're nervous and then if he gets nervous, that's okay. Let yourselves be nervous and like giddy teenagers together. That's what's going to create a little spark and a little connection going forward with talking about it and then after you've initiated that conversation make sure to verbalize that you want to have a safe space with no judgments where you can both speak freely about what it is you'd like to try creating that space when talking about anything not just sex anything in the relationship your own insecurities your own fears things you're happy with, things you're not happy with. That's when talking about anything is where the doorway to communication really opens. And that's where trust is built. It's in those spaces where I've learned more about myself, more about my wants and my needs, my fantasies, than in any other scenario of assuming.
but you need to make sure that you both have that safe space where you can both come and both speak freely. If you feel like you're getting triggered by something, let yourself take a moment just to breathe and sit with this and realize what is it that's coming up for you, but knowing that you're still in that safe space because you're there together. You're in a partnership. So work together on it. And in life, we all get triggered in certain scenarios and certain situations. But when it comes to speaking about sex, it becomes very playful and exciting and relish that, that excitement. Sex, is, like I said earlier, it's a very sacred act. Like you're physically letting somebody inside of you. So knowing that you've already let him into your most intimate space, into your sacred womb, then letting him in emotionally and for him to let you in emotionally, that's where your intimacy is going to grow. So start having the conversations and watch how your intimacy levels as a couple actually grow together. Because they do. When it comes to sex, there needs to be boundaries. And I know that may sound clinical, but in every, in every area of life, there needs to be boundaries. You need to know what your boundaries are, what it is that you're willing to accept, what it is that you like, what you don't like in all areas of life. And when it comes to sex, it's the same. You need to know where you are willing to go, what you like, what you don't like, what works for you, because at the end of the day, sex is not only about procreation, it's about pleasure and intimacy and, yes, I'm going to say it, spirituality. There are times where certain sexual experiences have felt like spiritual experiences for me and it's opening the doorway to that but knowing your boundaries and the only way that in any relationship you'll know your boundaries is by speaking about them openly together and not being afraid and we all have fear but that age-old saying of feel the fear and do it anyway it's true because once you have crossed that threshold of facing your fear, it's no longer a fear, it's gone. So talk. And like I said, open up that conversation and watch how you grow together. But make sure it's in a safe space with no judgment. No arguments. It's easy to have arguments, especially when fear and vulnerability are involved but knowing that you're in it together and you want to grow together. So set the space, see what happens. Your relationship may just grow deeper and you may be on the brink of a brand new journey together. So that's question number three. I hope it has helped. If you have any 
further questions feel free free to dm me but like i said i'm not a relationship expert and i'm not a sex expert i'm just a woman who has gone through many journeys in self-discovery when it comes to intimacy and that's this week's podcast so i hope you've all enjoyed any questions feel free to dm me if you liked it feel free to dm me tag me whatever it is that you do and for now happy thursday and happy hormones and also happy full moon blessings as this weekend is the full moon and we have a friday the 13th as well embrace the energies that are around you much love and light